Act Two of When We Dead Awaken by Henrik Ibsen. Translated by William Archer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Two Near a mountain resort, the landscape stretches in the form of an immense treeless upland towards a long mountain lake. Beyond the lake rises a range of peaks with blue-white snow in the clefts. In the foreground on the left a purling brook falls in severed streamlets down a steep wall of rock, and thence flows smoothly over the upland until it disappears to the right. Dwarf trees, plants, and stones along the course of the brook. In the foreground on the right a hillock, with a stone bench on the top of it. It is a summer afternoon towards sunset. At some distance over the upland, on the other side of the brook, a troop of children is singing, dancing, and playing. Some are dressed in peasant costume, others in town-made clothes. Their happy laughter is heard, softened by distance, during the following. Professor Rubick is sitting on the bench, with a plaid over his shoulders, and looking down at the children's play. Presently Maya comes forward from among some bushes on the upland to the left, well back, and scans the prospect with her hand shading her eyes. She wears a flat tourist cap, a short skirt, kilted up, reaching only midway between ankle and knee, and high, stout lace boots. She has in her hand a long alpenstock. At last catches sight of Rubeck and calls, "'Hello!' She advances over the upland, jumps over the brook, with the aid of her alpenstock, and climbs up the hillock. "'Oh, I have been rushing about looking for you, Rubek,' nods indifferently, and asks, "'Have you just come from the hotel?' "'Yes, that was the last place I tried, that fly-trap.' Looking at her for a moment. "'I noticed that you were not at the dinner-table. "'No, we had our dinner in the open air, we two. "'We two? What two?' "'Why, I and that horrid bear-killer, of course.' "'Ho!' He. Yes, and the first thing tomorrow morning we are going off again. After bears? Yes, off to kill a brown boy. Have you found the tracks of any? You don't suppose that bears are to be found in the naked mountains, do you? Where then? Far beneath, on the lower slopes in the thickest part of the forest, places you ordinary townsfolk could never get through. And you two are going down there tomorrow? Throwing herself down among the heather. Yes, so we have arranged. Or perhaps we may start this evening, if you have no objection, that's to say. I? Far be it from me to— Of course, Lars goes with us, with the dogs. I feel no curiosity as to the movements of Mr. Lars and his dogs. Would you not rather sit properly on the seat? No, thank you. I'm lying so delightfully in the soft heather. I can see that you are tired. Oh, I almost think I'm beginning to feel tired. You don't notice it till afterwards, when the excitement is over. Just so. I will lie and close my eyes. Ah, oh, Rubek, how can you endure to sit there listening to those children's screams, and to watch all the capers they are cutting too? There is something harmonious, almost like music, in their movements, now and then, amid all clumsiness and it amuses me to sit and watch for these isolated moments when they come yes you are always always an artist and i propose to remind one lying on her side so that her back is turned to him there's not a bit of the artist about him who is it that's not an artist why he 
the other one of course the bear hunter you mean yes there's not a bit of the artist about him not the least little bit no i believe there is no doubt about that and so ugly as he is plucks up a tuft of heather and throws it away so ugly so ugly ish is that why you are so ready to set off with him out into the wilds i don't know turning towards him you are ugly too rubek have you only just discovered it no i have seen it for long shrugging his shoulders one doesn't grow anger one doesn't grow anger from my uh... it's not that sort of ugliness i mean at all but there has come to be such an expression of fatigue of utter weariness in your eyes when you deign once in a while to cast a glance at me have you noticed that nods little by little this evil look has come into your eyes it seems almost as though you were nursing some dark plot against me indeed come here and sit beside me maya and let us talk a little half rising then you will let me sit upon your knee as i used to in the early days no you mustn't people can see us from the hotel moves a little but you can sit here on the bench at my side no thank you in that case i'd rather lie here where i am i can hear you quite well looks inquiringly at him well what is it you want to say to me what do you think was my real reason for agreeing to make this tour well i remember you declared among other things that it was going to do me a tremendous lot of good but 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 now i don't believe the least little bit that that was the reason then what is your theory about it now i think now that it was on account of that pale lady madame fonsato yes she who was always hanging about at our heels yesterday evening she made her appearance up here too but what in all the world oh i know you knew her very well indeed long before you knew me and i'd forgotten her too long before i knew you sitting upright can you forget so easily rubek yes very easily indeed when i want to forget even a woman who has been a model to you when i have no more use for her one who has stood to you undressed that means nothing nothing for us artists and then may i venture to ask how was i to guess that she was in this country oh you might have seen her name in a visitors list in one of the newspapers but i had no idea of the name she goes by i had never heard of any herfon sato oh well then i suppose it must have been for some other reason that you were so set upon this journey yes maya it was for another reason a quite different reason and that is what we should sooner or later have a clear explanation about <laughs> heavens how solemn you look yes perhaps a little more solemn than necessary how so and that is a very good thing for us both you begin to make me feel curious rubek only curious not a little bit uneasy shaking her head not in the least good then listen you said that day down at the baths that it seemed to you i had become very nervous of late yes and you really have and what do you think can be the reason for that how can i tell perhaps you have grown weary of this constant companionship with me constant why not say everlasting daily companionship then here have we two solitary people lived down there for four or five mortal years 
and scarcely have an hour away from each other. We two all by ourselves. Well, and then? You are not a particularly sociable man, Rubeck. You like to keep to yourself and think your own thoughts. And of course I can't talk properly to you about your affairs. I know nothing about art and that sort of thing. With an impatient gesture. And care very little either, for that matter. Well, well. And that's why we generally sit by the fireside and chat about your affairs. Oh, good gracious, I have no affairs to chat about. Well, they are trifles, perhaps. But at any rate, the time passes for us in that way as well as another, Maya. Yes, you are right. Time passes. It is passing away from you, Rubeck. And I suppose it is really that that makes you so uneasy. Nods vehemently. And so restless. Writhing in his seat. No, I shall soon not be able to endure this pitiful life any longer. Rises and stands for a moment looking at him. If you want to get rid of me, you only have to say so. Why will you use such phrases? Get rid of you? Yes. If you want to have done with me, please say so right out, and I will go that instant. With an almost imperceptible smile. Do you intend that as a threat, Maya? There can be no threat for you in what I said. Rising. No, I confess you are right. There. You and I cannot possibly go on living together like this. Well, and then? There is no then about it. Because we two cannot go on living together alone. It does not necessarily follow that we must part. Smiles scornfully. Only draw away from each other a little, you mean. Shakes his head. Even that is not necessary. Well, then, come out with what you want to do with me. What I now feel so keenly and so painfully that I require is to have someone about me who really and truly stands close to me. Don't I do that, Rubeck? Waving her aside. Not in that sense. What I need is the companionship of another person who can, as it were, complete me. Supply what is wanting in me. Be one with me in all my striving. It's true that things like that are a great deal too hard for me. Oh, no. They are not at all in your line, Maya. And heaven knows I don't want them to be either. I know that very well. And it was with no idea of finding any such help in my life work that I married you. Observing him closely. I can see in your face that you are thinking of someone else. Indeed? I have never noticed before that you are a thought-reader, but you can see that, can you? Yes, I can. Oh, I know you so well, so well, Rubeck. Then perhaps you can also see who it is I am thinking of. Yes, indeed I can. Well, have the goodness to... You are thinking of that, that model you once used for... Do you know the people down at the hotel think she's mad? Indeed? And pray, what do people down at the hotel think of you and the bear killer? That has nothing to do with the matter. But it was this pale lady you were thinking of. Precisely. Of her. When I had no more use for her. And when, besides, she went away from me. Vanished without a word. Then you accepted me as a sort of makeshift, I suppose. Something of the sort. To tell the truth, little Maya. For a year, or a year and a half, I had lived there lonely and brooding, 
and had put the last touch the very last touch to my work the resurrection day went out over the world and brought me fame and everything else that heart could desire but i no longer loved my own work men's laurels and incessance nauseated me till i could have rushed away in despair and hidden myself in the depths of the woods looking at her you who are a thought reader can you guess what then occurred to me yes it occurred to you to make portrait busts of gentlemen and ladies to order yes with animal faces behind the masks those i threw in gratis into the bargain you understand but that was not precisely what i had in my mind what then it was this that all the talk about the artist's vocation and the artist's mission and so forth began to strike me as being very empty and hollow and meaningless at the bottom then what would you put in its place life my uh life yes is not life in sunshine and in beauty a hundred times better worth while than to hang about to the end of your days in a raw damp hole and wear yourself to the perpetual struggle with lumps of clay and blocks of stone yes i have always thought so certainly and then i had become rich enough to live in luxury and in indolent quivering sunshine i was able to build myself the villa on the lake of tonnets and the palazzo in the capital and all the rest of it and last but not least you could afford to treat yourself to me too you gave me leave to share in all your treasures did i not promise you to take you up to a high enough mountain and show you all the glory of the world you have perhaps taken me up with you to a high enough mountain rubek but you have not shown me all the glory of the world how insatiable you are maya absolutely insatiable but do you know what is the most hopeless thing of all maya can you guess that yes i suppose it is that you have gone and tied yourself to me for life i would not have expressed myself so heartlessly but you would have meant it just as heartlessly you have no clear idea of the inner workings of an artist's nature smiling and shaking her head good heavens i haven't even a clear idea of the inner workings of my own nature i live at such high speed maya we live so we artists i for my part have lived through a whole lifetime in the few years we two have known each other i have become to realize that i am not at all adapted for seeking happiness in indolent enjoyment life does not shape itself that way for me and those like me i must go on working producing one work after another right up to my dying day that is why i cannot get on with you any longer maya not with you alone does that mean in plain language that you have grown tired of me yes that is what it means i have grown tired intolerably tired and fretted and unstrung in this life with you now you know it these are hard and ugly words i am using i know that very well and you are not at all to blame in this matter that i willingly admit it is simply and solely i myself who have once more undergone a revolution and awakening to my real life involuntarily folding her hands why in all the world should we not part then looks at her in astonishment 
should you be willing to shrugging her shoulders oh yes if there's nothing else for it then but there is something else for it there is an alternative holding up her forefinger now you are thinking of the pale lady again yes to tell the truth i cannot help constantly thinking of her ever since i met her again a step nearer her for now i will tell you a secret maya well touching his own breast in here you see in here i have a little brahma locked casket and in that casket all my sculptor's vision are stored up but when she disappeared and left no trace the lock of the casket snapped too and she had the key and she took it away with her you little maya you had no key so all that the casket contains must lie unused and the years pass and i have no means of getting at the treasure trying to repress a subtle smile then get her to open the casket for you again maya for here she is you see and no doubt it's on account of this casket that she has come i have not said a single word to her on this subject looks innocently at him my dear rubek is it worth while to make all this fuss and commotion about so simple a matter do you think this matter is so absolutely simple yes certainly i think so do you attach yourself to whoever you most require nods to him i shall always manage to find a place for myself where do you mean well i need only take myself off to the villa if it should be necessary but it won't be for in town in all that great house of ours there must surely with a little good will be enough room for three and do you think that would work in the long run very well then if it won't work it won't it is no good talking about it and what shall we do then maya if it does not work then we two will simply get out of each other's way part entirely i shall always find something new for myself somewhere in the world something free 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 no need to be anxious about that professor rubek suddenly points off to the right look there there we have her there out on the plain striding like a marble statue she is coming this way stands gazing with his hand over his eyes does not she look like the resurrection incarnate and her i could displace and move into the shade remodel her fool that i was what do you mean by that nothing nothing that you would understand irene advances from the right over the upland the children at their play have already caught sight of her and run to meet her she is now surrounded by them some appear confident and at ease others uneasy and timid she talks low to them and indicates that they are to go down to the hotel she herself will rest a little beside the brook the children run down over the slope to the left halfway to the back irene goes up to the wall of rock and lets the rillets of the cascade flow over her hands cooling them go down and speak to her alone rubek and where will you go in the meantime looking significantly at him henceforth i shall go my own ways she descends from the hillock and leaps over the brook by aid of her alpenstock she stops beside irene professor rubek is up there waiting for you madam what does he want he wants you to help him open a casket that he has snapped to can i help him in that he says you are the only person that can then i must try yes you really must madam she goes down by the path to the hotel 
In a little while Professor Rubeck comes down to Irene, but stops with the brook between them. She, the other one, said that you had been waiting for me. I have waited for you year after year, without myself knowing it. I could not come to you, Arnold. I was lying down there, sleeping the long, deep, dreamful sleep. But now you have awakened, Irene. Shakes her head. I have the heavy, deep sleep still in my eyes. You shall see the day will dawn and lighten for us both. Do not believe that. I do believe it, and I know it. Now that I have found you again. Risen from the grave. Transfigured. Only risen, Arnold, not transfigured. He crosses over to her by means of stepping-stones below the cascade. Where have you been all day, Irene? Pointing. Far, far over there, on the great dead waste. You have not your... your friend with you today, I see? My friend is keeping a close watch on me, none the less. Can she? Glancing furtively around. You may be sure she can, wherever I may go. She never loses sight of me. Until one fine sunny morning, I shall kill her. Would you do that? With the utmost delight. If only I could manage it. Why do you want to? Because she deals in witchcraft. Only think, Arnold, she has changed herself into my shadow. Well, 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 a shadow we must all have. I am my own shadow. Do you not understand that? Yes. Yes, Irene. I understand. He seats himself on a stone beside the brook. She stands behind him, leaning against the wall of rock. Why do you sit there, turning your eyes away from me? I dare not. I dare not look at you. Why dare not you look at me any more? You have a shadow that tortures me, and I have the crushing weight of my conscience. Oh, at last! Irene, what is it? Motioning him off. Keep still! 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 Draws a deep breath and says, as though relieved of a burden, Oh, there. Now they let me go. For this time. Now we can sit down and talk as we used to, when I was alive. Oh, if only we could talk as we used to. Sit there where you were sitting. I will sit here beside you. He sits down again. She seats herself on another stone close to him. Now I have come back to you from the uttermost regions, Arnold. Hey, truly, from an endless journey. Come home to my lord and master. To our home. To our own home, Irene. Have you looked for my coming every single day? How dared I look for you? With a sidelong glance. No, I suppose you dared not. For you understood nothing. Was it really not for the sake of someone else that you all of a sudden disappeared from me in that way? Might it not quite well be for your sake, Arnold? Looks doubtfully at her. I don't understand you. When I had served you with my soul, and with my body, when the statue stood there finished, our child as you called it, then I laid at your feet the most precious sacrifice of all, 
by effacing myself for all time bows his head and laying my life waste it was just that i wanted never never should you create anything again after you had created that only child of ours was it jealousy that moved you then i think it was rather hatred 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 for me yes for you for the artist who had so lightly and carelessly taken a warm-blooded body a young human life and worn the soul out of it because you needed it for a work of art and you can say that you who threw yourself into my work with such saint-like passion and such ardent joy that work for which we two met together every morning as for an act of worship i will tell you one thing arnold well i never loved your art before i met you nor after either but the artist irene the artist i hate the artist in me too in you most of all when i unclothed myself and stood for you then i hated you arnold that you did not irene that is not true i hated you because you could stand there so unmoved unmoved do you think so at any rate so intolerably self-controlled and because you were an artist and an artist only not a man but that statue in the wet living clay that i loved as it rose up a vital human creature out of those raw shapeless masses for that was our creation our child mine and yours it was so in spirit and in truth let me tell you arnold it is for the sake of this child of ours that i have undertaken this long pilgrimage for the statues call it what you will i call it our child and now you want to see it finished in marble which you always thought so cold you don't know perhaps that it is installed in a great museum somewhere far out in the world i have heard a sort of legend about it and museums were always a horror to you you call them grave vaults i will make a pilgrimage to the place where my soul and my child's soul lie buried you must never see that statue again do you hear irene i implore you never never see it again perhaps you think it would mean death to me a second time clenching his hands together oh i don't know what i think but how could i ever imagine that you would fix your mind so immovably on that statue you who went away from me before it was completed it was completed that was why i could go away from you and leave you alone sits with his elbows upon his knees rocking his head from side to side with his hands before his eyes it was not what it afterwards became quietly but quick as lightning half unsheaths a narrow-bladed sharp knife which she carried in her breast and asks in a hoarse whisper arnold have you done any evil to our child any evil how can i be sure what you would call it tell me at once what have you done to the child i will tell you if you will sit 
and listen quietly to what i say hides the knife i will listen as quietly as a mother can when she and you must not look at me while i am telling you moves to a stone behind his back i will sit here behind you now tell me takes his hands from before his eyes and gazes straight in front of him when i had found you i knew at once how i should make use of you for my life work the resurrection day you called your life work i call it our child i was young then with no knowledge of life the resurrection i thought would be most beautifully and exquisitely figured as a young unsullied woman with none of her earth life's experiences awakening to light and glory without having to put away from her anything ugly and impure yes and so i stand there now in our work not absolutely and entirely so irene not absolutely do i not stand as i always stood for you i learned worldly wisdoms in the years that followed irene the resurrection day became in my mind's eye something more and something something more complex the little round plinth on which your figure stood erect and solitary it no longer afforded room for all the imagery i wanted to add groped for her knife but desists what imagery did you add then tell me i imagined that which i saw with my eyes around me in the world i had to include it i could not help it irene i expanded the plinth made it wide and spacious and on it i placed a segment of the curving bursting earth and up from the fissures of the soil there now swarm men and women with dimly suggested animal faces women and men as i knew them in real life but in the middle of the rout there stands the young woman radiant with the joy of life do i not stand so arnold not quite in the middle i had unfortunately to move that figure a little back for the sake of the general effect you understand otherwise it would have dominated the whole too much but the joy and the light still transfigures my face yes it does irene in a way a little subdued perhaps as my altered idea required rising noiselessly that design expresses the life you now see arnold yes i suppose it does and in that design you have shifted me back a little toned down to serve as a background figure in a group she draws the knife not a background figure let us say at most a figure not quite in the foreground or something of that sort there you uttered your own doom on the point of striking turns up and looks at her doom hastily hides the knife and says as though choked with agony my whole soul you and i we 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 and our child were in that solitary figure eagerly taking off his hat and drying the drops of sweat upon his brow yes but let me tell you to how i placed myself in the group in front beside a fountain as it were here sits a man weighted down with guilt who cannot quite free himself from the earth crust i call him remorse for a forfeited life he sits there and dips his finger in the purling stream to wash them clean and he is gnawed and tortured by the thought that never 
never will he succeed never in all eternity will he attain to freedom and the new life he will remain forever present in his hell poet why poet because you are nerveless and sluggish and full of forgiveness for all the sins of your life in thought and in act you have killed my soul so you model yourself in remorse and self-accusation and penance and with that you think your account is cleared i am an artist irene and i take no shame to myself for the frailties that perhaps cling to me for i was born to be an artist you see and do what i may i shall never be anything else looks at him with a lurking evil smile and says gently and softly you are a poet arnold softly strokes his hair you dear great middle-aged child is it possible that you cannot see that why do you keep calling me a poet with malign eyes because there is something apologetic in the word my friend something that suggests forgiveness of sins and spreads a cloak over all frailty but i was a human being then and i too had a life to live and a human destiny to fulfil and all that look you i let slip gave it all up in order to make myself your bondwoman oh it was self-murder a deadly sin against myself and that sin i can never expiate she seats herself near him beside the brook keeps close though unnoticed watch upon him and as though in absence of mind plucks some flowers from the shrubs around them i should have borne children in the world many children real children not such children as are hidden away in grave vaults that was my vocation i ought never to have served you poet yet those were beautiful days irene marvellously beautiful days as i now look back upon them looking at him with a soft expression can you remember a little word that you said when you had finished finished with me and with our child can you remember that little word arnold looks inquiringly at her did i say a little word then which you still remember yes you did can you not recall it shaking his head no i can't say that i do not at the present moment at any rate you took both my hands and pressed them warmly and i stood there in breathless expectation and then you said so now irene i thank you from my heart this you said has been a priceless episode for me looks doubtfully at her did i say episode it is not a word i am in the habit of using you said episode well well after all it was in reality an episode at that word i left you you take everything so painfully to heart irene drawing her hand over her forehead perhaps you are right let us shake off all the hard things that go to the heart plucks off the leaves of a mountain rose and strews them on the brook look over there arnold there are our birds swimming what birds are they can you not see 
Of course they are flamingos. Are they not rose-red? Flamingos do not swim. They only wade. Then they are not flamingos. They are seagulls. They may be seagulls with red bells. Yes. Plucks broad green leaves and throws them into the brook. Now I send out my ships after them. But there must be no harpoon men on board. No, there shall be no harpoon men. Can you remember the summer? When we used to sit like this outside the little peasant hut on the lake of Tornets. On Saturday evenings, yes, when we had finished our week's work. Then, too, you used to set birds swimming in the brook. They were water lilies, which you... They were white swans. I meant swans, yes. And I remember that I fastened a great furry leaf to one of the swans. It looked like a buddock leaf. And then it turned into Lohengrin's boat, with the swan yoked to it. How fond you were of that game, Irene. We played it over and over again. Every single Saturday, I believe. All the summer through. You said I was the swan that drew your boat. Did I say so? Yes, I dare say I did. Just see how the seagulls are swimming down the stream. <laughs> and all your ships have run ashore, throwing more leaves into the brook. I have ships enough in reserve. Follows the leaves with his eyes, throws more into the brook, and says after a pause, Irene, I have bought the little peasant hut beside the lake of Tornets. Have you bought it? You often said you would if you could afford it. The day came when I could afford it, easily enough, and so I bought it. With a sidelong look at him. Then do you live out there now? In our old house? No, I have had it pulled down long ago, and I have built myself a great, handsome, comfortable villa on the side, with a park around it. It is there that we, there that I usually live during the summer. So you and, and the other one live out there now? Yes. When my wife and I are not travelling, as we are this year. Looking far before her. Life was beautiful. Beautiful by the lake of Tonnets. And yet, Irene? Yet we too let slip all that life and its beauty. Does repentance come too late now? Does not answer, but sits silent for a moment. Then she points over the upland. Look there, Arnold. Now the sun is going down behind the peaks. See what a red glow the level rays cast over all the heathery knolls out yonder. Looks where she is pointing. It is long since I have seen a sunset in the mountains. Or a sunrise. A sunrise? I don't think I have ever seen. Smiles as though lost in recollection. I once saw a marvellously lovely sunrise. Did you? Where was that? High, high up on a dizzy mountain-top. You beguiled me up there by promising that I should see all the glory of the world if only I— She stops suddenly. If only you. Well— I did as you told me. Went with you up to the heights. And there I fell upon my knees and worshipped you and served you. Then I saw the sunrise. You could open up all that is locked up in me. 
can you not find it in your heart irene shaking her head i no longer have the key to you arnold you have the key you and you alone possess it help me that i may be able to live my life over again empty dreams idle dead dreams for the life you and i led there is no resurrection then let us go on playing yes playing playing only playing they sit and strew leaves and petals over the brook where they float and sail away up the slope to the left at the back come ulfheim and maya in hunting costume after them comes the servant with the leash of dogs with which he goes out to the right catching sight of them ha there is little maya going out with the bear hunter your lady yes or the others looks around as she is crossing the upland sees the two sitting by the brook and calls out good night professor dream of me now i am going off on my adventures what sort of an adventure is this to be i am going to let life take the place of all the rest ha so you two are going to do that little maya yes and i've made a verse about it and this is how it goes i am free i am free i am free no more life in the prison for me i'm free as a bird i am free for i believe i have awakened now at last it almost seems so oh how divinely light one feels on waking good night from maya and good luck too hush hush for the devil's sake let's have none of your wizard wishes don't you see that we are going out to shoot what will you bring me home from the hunting maya you shall have a bird of prey to model i shall wing one for you yes to wing things without knowing what you're doing that has long been quite in your way tossing her head oh just let me take care of myself for the future and i wish you then goodbye and a good peaceful summer night on the upland thanks and all the ill luck in the world over you and your hunting there now that is a wish worth having thanks 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 professor they have both crossed the visible portion of the upland and go out through the bushes to the right a summer night on the upland yes that would have been life suddenly with a wild expression in her eyes will you spend a summer night on the upland with me stretching his arms wide yes yes come my adored lord and master oh irene hoarsely smiling and groping in her breast it will be only an episode hush do not look round arnold what is it a face that is staring at me turns involuntarily where ha huh? the sister of mercy's head is partly visible among the bushes beside the descent to the left her eyes are immovably fixed on irene rises and says softly we must part then no you must remain sitting do you hear you must not go with me bends over him and whispers till we meet again tonight on the upland and you will come irene yes surely i will come wait for me here summer night on the upland with you with you his eyes meet hers oh irene that might have been our life and that we are forfeited we two we see the irretrievable only when looks inquiringly at her when when we dead awaken shakes his head mournfully 
What do we really see, then? We see that we have never lived. She goes towards the slope and descends. The Sister of Mercy makes way for her and follows her. Professor Rubeck remains sitting motionless beside the brook. Maya is heard singing triumphantly among the hills. I am free, I am free, I am free. No more life in the prison for me. I am free as a bird. I am free. End of Act Two